This is Think Retail, a podcast where top designers, strategists, thought leaders, and business people discuss what's coming next. Hi, I'm Melinda, and you're listening to Think Retail, and today we're going to do something a little different. At SLD, part of what we do is trends analysis, and since clients are always asking for our perspective on various emerging innovations and ideas, we thought we would make this part of what we share with you on the podcast. Today, I'm joined by podcast producer and digital marketing strategist, Sebastian Maynard. You may recognize his voice. And we're focusing today on emerging trends in the realm of social engagement online. Sebastian, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Great. So we had a conversation before this, and we've got a a bunch of things we want to cover today. So why don't we just go through them? Let's start with Clubhouse. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think both of us have had a chance to play around with it a little bit, but for those who don't know, Clubhouse is an audio-only social channel, social media channel, so it's a bit of a departure from like a visually focused Instagram, text-based focused Twitter, but it allows users to hop in and out of public or private chat rooms um, based on their interests, so it could be a social cause, it could be about career building, but I think essentially it's really about an opportunity for people to learn, network, and meet new people. So it's still in beta right now, and I think only available on the iPhone. But knowing that you and I have played around, I was just curious, what are your thoughts? Have you had a chance to hop into any rooms yet? Yeah, I mean, it's not as intuitive as a lot of other social platforms. So at first, it took me a little bit of you know, figure like trying to figure it out. I, I couldn't quite understand just from looking at it what I was supposed to do. But then once I got past that and figured it out, um, I was able to listen and I didn't actually participate. I'm kind of being a little shy about it, but I've listened to a couple of different things and I can see how it could potentially be interesting. I don't know whether it has the legs of something like TikTok or Instagram because it's much more focused on specific topics. So I don't know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree. Like it's obviously we always view it from a perspective of for brands and retailers, like how can this be leveraged? And right now, to me, at least, it feels like it's a great opportunity for individuals, whether you want to be like a thought leader or to really grow your own skills. It seems like that right now is a great avenue or just like back to the the topic of interest. So like some news publications have had chats based on like news events with their reporters fielding questions for people that are able to drop in. So it's really just like stimulating conversation with, which right now, especially with COVID and everything is huge. And that's, I think the exciting component of it, but right now it's invite only. So it's not available for everyone. And so you need to there is that like level of exclusivity around it right now, which I think has people excited and people trying to figure out how can they leverage this the best way possible. But it's also worth noting that it's still in beta and there are still some issues, including like a data spill, which happened just a few weeks ago, which is essentially when data is released to someone or something without the authorized access. And so there is that concern about security issues how private is private really in the 21st century in 2021. So it does seem like they have some, some kinks to work out, but how do you think a brand could leverage this? So I think to me, I I feel it's kind of like an interactive podcast. Mm. So I would approach it the same way that I might approach a podcast in terms of like, what are the interesting stories that 
my audience wants to hear about. So it's, it's a soft approach. It's not like brand marketing per se. Right. It's really a lot more about the story that you, the stories that your brand wants to tell. And it could be more in terms of any sort of social responsibility activations that your brand is involved in, or if there are interesting people that are within your company doing innovative work, or if you are innovating, say, if you're a, a CPG brand, if you're doing innovation around sustainability in terms of package design or in terms of agriculture, I think those kinds of conversations might do well in this platform. But I think in terms of that sort of pure marketing, I don't think we'll, we'll work on Clubhouse. I agree. And so I've got a good example. I was trying to find some, but Pedigree, the, the dog food dog company, they did this little campaign called Doghouse. <laughs> on clubhouse and so it's focused on finding homes for adoptable dogs so throughout the chat they had some moderators kind of highlighting the different emotional mental physical benefits of owning a dog and they partnered they partnered with some uh, shelters and the whole goal of it was to i think find houses for 20 dogs and this is ongoing right now but to your point it's not necessarily about the product that pedigree is selling right. but it's about it's about facil facilitating a conversation around something that really does impact their brand and is, is of interest to their potential consumers. So maybe not necessarily the most overt marketing uh, tactic, but it creates some goodwill, some positive PR, and uh, it just seems like another fun avenue for people to try. Yeah, yeah, I agree. How about YouTube trying to come in and compete with TikTok? Tell me about this. Yeah, so Clubhouse isn't the only social media channel making news these days. And I think everyone has probably learned by now that the second something becomes popular on one channel, everyone follows suit, whether it's the next week or a year later. And so we saw that with TikTok and then it was Instagram Reels. And now YouTube is hopping on that kind of same bandwagon with YouTube Shorts, yeah. which is once again, 15 second snippet videos that you're meant to watch on your mobile device. And it just as like a TV channel where it will continue playing. So you're just kind of inundated with these little short bite-sized videos. And for me, I think it's just another example of a shift away from highly produced curated video content specifically to things that are more bite-sized, more human and more authentic. Yeah. I mean, how these videos help with our attention span is one question but <laughs> for brands themselves it's on it's about engaging with your audience on their terms and where they're living and so I think that's just something to consider as content creators as marketers as brands there's all these platforms there's all these channels and it's just trying to hone in on the ones that are most relevant to your audience Right. And I mean, YouTube is such a huge platform already. It's not like mm -hmm. a new entrant trying to compete with TikTok. It's a, right. a, a channel that already has a huge amount of engagement. So it'll be interesting to see if they can compete. So uh, another topic that we had talked about is, you know, during the pandemic, people were really dying to engage with others. And, and something that we probably all engaged in is some sort of virtual event, conferences, webinars, maybe we attended a concert or some sort of other entertainment event. So this is something that I want to talk about, because in the future, this could continue and probably will continue. Um, so you want to start with conferences? It's, it has been interesting to see the different platforms that are out there. And I think everyone right now is really exploring what the best 
opportunity is. And obviously I have some friends that are in similar roles at different companies. And so it's been kind of a conversation of like, oh, I just had a demo with this, this software or this one or this one. And there's a lot out there right now. And it's the price structures are different. The capabilities are slightly different, but for conferences themselves, I think there's this opportunity for engagement on a different level that moves past kind of the classic teams or zooms that we've gotten used to over the past year. And there are some exciting opportunities for um, engagement, whether it's through polls and Q and A's or little private breakout room chat rooms. One uh, demo we had was someone was literally the screen was them on a stage and through their camera, they were able to see people, the audience in virtual seats. And so technology is really catching up with the ideas. And so over the next year, I think it's probably just going to continue that and that everyone will kind of refine their strategies. But what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think going forward, I think a lot of conference organizers are going to, at least for the next year, be doing hybrid events because travel restrictions may prevent people from crossing borders because they may have to quarantine. People who've been been vaccinated may be able to move more freely than people who haven't. So I think at least over the next year, although there may be some ability in some places for people to gather for a physical conference, I think in order to reach that audience that conference organizers really want to reach, they're going to have to have some virtual element to this. Um, So then we're going to look at, you know, tiered pricing structures. If it's, if you're attending virtually and, you know, how do you create networking opportunities, which is such a big reason that people go to conferences. So, you know, how do you incorporate that if there's some people there physically and there's some people there who aren't able to attend in person. So I think these are some of the things that we're going to start to see some innovation around over the next year, which I'm personally really excited for because I love to be able to attend these types of things and get the learning, but I don't always love having to travel because I've got a family. So if I was able to attend some of these things virtually, it would be great if that was to continue going forward from my perspective. Yeah. I'd be curious, like this is a bit of a a sidetrack, but you have an arts background and obviously the arts have been so hit with COVID and yeah, musicians I follow, they've been doing these kind of private concerts where you spend $15 on a ticket for a Friday night, like show virtual show. How do you think the arts community is going to adapt moving forward? Well, I mean, that is a huge, huge <laughs> concern for people who are in the arts. I've, I've so many friends who have been basically out of work for the past year because they were performers and they were either, you know, earning most of their money touring or performing on stage. So definitely seeing some innovation around private events and, and that kind of thing. I think where we're really going to see bigger opportunities, especially in the music industry, is through video game platforms. And we've already started to see, you know, with Marshmallow and Travis Scott partnering with Epic Games to do these concerts in Fortnite where millions of people attended. But I think there's there's going to be a, more of a hybrid version because those were quite intensive to create. It took about a year in between those two events because there's so much on the back end for them to develop. And right now, Epic Games is actually building a state-of-the-art studio space in Los Angeles. And it's more like uh, a live event stage, but it'll have uh, this massive LED wall There'll be all these robocams and then they're going to integrate augmented reality. So it'll be kind of a hybrid between a streamed performance and that, you know, engaging video game experience. 
And then Minecraft, if you, I, I, this totally blew my mind that Minecraft, people are starting to do concerts in Minecraft. Wow. There's a, there was an event called Block by Block West, which great name. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but the, it, it, they basically recreated a, a Brooklyn nightclub in Minecraft. And it was so popular that unfortunately it ended up crashing the server. They had way more people interested than they could handle. But it just goes to show you that people are really interested in engaging with the arts in different ways. And there's, I mean, something like Minecraft, it's super cool. You can create this whole world where you've built stuff and people can go in and build things and, and destroy things and in, inter, interact with each other. So there are real possibilities when it comes to augmented and virtual reality to take it that next level up and make it more artistic. And I think we're gonna see artists really kind of like spread their wings and fly with this in the future. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. And I think it's, it's just the world we live in now. COVID has accelerated that, but it was going to happen regardless. So that brings me to the last thing that I had on my list. We know that video games, I mean, of course, brands are thinking about video games right now because Gen Z is so into video games. I think it's something like 91% of Gen Z call themselves gamers and streaming communities where gamers are following their favorite streamers are becoming so important for marketers to consider. I mean, we've got some gamers like Ninja and Tifu where they've got like 35 million subscribers and they, those subscribers are not just following them. They're very, very loyal and they're very engaged. So I'm curious about, you know, what are, what are your thoughts about this? How can brands leverage streaming and these kinds of influencers? I think it's really easy to see influencers as uh, the holy grail for brands and advertising. They've amassed these huge followings, whether it's on Twitch or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. And they're dialed in directly with a certain audience. And if a brand is looking to communicate with that audience, it, it makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of amazing examples of it working out. With that being said, I mean, you wrote a great article on our website recently talking about the switch from these massive influencers, the Kardashians, the LeBron Jameses of the world, to a more micro niche market, niche targeting and that is really allowing brands to get at a bit more of a grassroots and almost authentic level, um, associating themselves with people that really, truly live and breathe the brand essence, the brand mission statement. But as with anything, you have to really weigh the good versus the bad and the potential negative side effects that come with associating yourself with a celebrity of, of any sort. And a perfect example of this uh, recently was in the NBA, a basketball player, Myers Leonard. He was uh, playing for the Miami Heat, and on an off day, I think he was injured, uh, happened to be live streaming and used an anti-Semitic term. And within a day, he had issued an apology and, and kind of said he would... Uh, Try and try and make up for the mistake, but the, that honestly, the damage had been done, and he's since been traded and then cut from the uh, team. He's no longer in the league. Sponsors have dropped him, and things fell apart really quickly. But really, there was no other way for the Miami Heat, his basketball team, or any of his other sponsors to go about it. They really just could not condone that language and that hate speech, especially in the world we're living in right now. And so. It's, it is a slippery slope, so I would, I would just caution everyone to really vet whoever they want to partner with uh, and make sure that it, it is honestly a good fit, not only just 
from the mon monetary side, but is this audience really going to follow through with what an uh, influencer may be trying to sell them? Yeah, and I think with streamers, the thing that's a little different from, say, like an Instagram influencer is that they're streaming live. So there's yeah, no opportunity exactly. to go backwards. Right. And they're often streaming for hours and hours and hours. So there's, you know, there's just a little bit when, when it's live and when there's more content, there's a little bit more risk. And many of them, again, like some of them are as young as like 16 years old. So it's oh. not like these are mature adults that we're dealing with here. So it's just, it's very interesting because watching my own kids who are absolutely obsessed with the streamers that they follow, and they're very passionate about, you know, I love this person and this is why I love them and sort of live and breathe on their, the different events that they're hosting and get very involved in, in the community and the chats and stuff like that, that it's obviously an opportunity that's huge, but it does, like you say, it comes with a big risk. So super yeah. interesting. Well, I think we've covered quite a few things today and I think that yeah. we'll leave it there. Yeah, well, no, this was fun. I, as we just realized uh, before recording that this is episode number 50. So it seems fitting that we can kind of take an opportunity to to look back and look forward. And hopefully throughout this podcast, we've been able to highlight some trends and some key, some key topics and uh, we'll continue to do so. Yes. And thanks to everybody who's been listening. We appreciate you. And if there's any trend or topic that you'd like us to cover, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. For more information about Think Retail, you can reach us at info at sld.com. For more episodes, visit us online at sld.com slash podcast. Next time we discuss how design can keep national brands relevant. We hope you'll join us.